Hi, and welcome to the Burlington Brief. I'm your host, Sydney Bowles, and I'm here this week with guest host, Chris Flaherty. Chris, how are you? I'm great, Sydney. How are you? I'm so good. I really appreciate your dedication to the cause of journalism in Burlington, stepping in like this and filling in for the inestimable Sarah Eshelman, of course. our usual co-host. Yeah, thank you for having me. And it's a big week, too. It's a very big week. Let's dive right in. Let's do it. So earlier this week, the elementary school building committee voted to eliminate option six, uh, the a, a bigger option that would have combined Pine Glen Elementary School and Fox Hill Elementary School right. on the the Fox Hill site. Mm-hmm. For those of you who have been following along, this has been big news. I think a lot of folks in the community came out pretty intensely for a long couple of months mm-hmm. to voice their opposition to that 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 bigger school. Yes. And they kind of got their got their wish. This is we're going to move forward with the smaller school. Mm-hmm. And you were in the room Tuesday night. I like, sure was in the room. And there was a lot of like final not not like a final stand for the option 6 crowd, but there was a lot of public comments, right? Yeah, there was. I mean, it was interesting. It was the um, when they went to make the motion to eliminate the bigger school from consideration, there were a number of people, um, I'm thinking Melissa Massardo, Martha Simon, who took time to give statements essentially right. saying they didn't think this was the right option, but they were going to go with the will of the board and um, – they were going to commit to making the smaller school the best option mm-hmm. that it could be. Yeah. But, I mean, I think the points that they were making was essentially the MSBA, the Massachusetts School Building Authority, gave Burlington the opportunity to essentially renovate two schools in one go. Yes. And so, you know, the committee members who were in favor of the larger school were saying, by doing this, we're giving up the opportunity to, to get two for one, essentially. And mm-hmm. now Pine Glen... It, it could be, you know, years, maybe decades sure. before that school gets a real mm-hmm. a real overhaul. Yeah. I think it's the oldest school in town. It is. Or or that, yeah, tw- yeah, yeah, 20 years old, I think. Oh, it's way older than, way I, older than that. I should have this at the top of my head. I think it's like, I'm going to look it up. Oh, no, I don't. I think it's like 67 or yeah. something. I don't know why I said 20. It can't be 20 because I you went there. You went there. Yeah. That was my question. Mm-hmm. You... I, I'm a humble reporter. I, I did not grow up in this community, but you did. So what, what are the sort of the emotional stakes for you of this? It's t- I mean, obviously, I have, like, nostalgia goggles for Pine Glen. Um, I went there for all five years of um, elementary. Um, and then, you know, during the summers, I would work for the schools. I was a substitute teacher for the schools for a few years. And um, to put it bluntly, it, it felt like going home again. And that's probably a good thing and a bad thing because it hadn't changed much since I've been there. But I think a lot of people have said in these meetings that it's not so much the building, it's the teachers and the education going on. And at both Fox Hill and Pine Glen, they have a great teachers and great communities. So um, I think this is kind of where the entire community wanted this to go, you know, replace Fox Hill and we'll see what happens with Pine Glen. Yeah. Um, I think it, it'll be interesting to see now that this pretty contentious decision has been made, what happens uh, next? Because, you know, I think it, it's it's no secret to those who have been paying attention that the school committee was pretty divided over this. Yes. So I'll be watching to see if that contention kind of melts away now that there is a single path forward. Mm-hmm. Because now we enter kind of the brass tax phase where uh, this is going to be submitted to the MSBA at the end of the year. And during these next couple of months, uh, Denisco Designs, the design firm, Doran Woodier, the owner's project man- uh, managers, they're going to be working to 
come up with sort of more specific issues here. What kind of what kind of HVAC system are we going to have? Where on the site is this going to be located? How many yeah. stories is the school going to be? Mm-hmm. Those are going to get ironed out in the next couple of months. And then next year, probably next September, is where the rubber is really going to hit the road in terms of uh, financing this. That so, would be September town meeting. Yeah, exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. Um, the town has to come up with $77 million. And yeah. later on in this episode, you're going to hear from John Eiler, who's the chair of the Ways and Means Committee, talking about the specifics of how that works, mm-hmm. uh, sort of the legal mechanisms that are available to Burlington. Um, so stay tuned for that. Mm-hmm. But for now, I think um, we've sort of crossed this pretty significant hurdle. It's, this, yeah. was, this, was a, this was a big one. And so now we're kind of in a new era for this project. Yeah, it's been a long year, but... Um, I'm excited to see what happens next. You want to talk about another story? I do. Okay. There has been some rumblings at the Board of Health. Yes. Um, the board is working closely with legal counsel over a potential conflict of interest situation re- relating to the job of a supervisory nurse position, which is currently open. The position has been vacant for about a year. It was closed for a while. It was reopened after Labor Day. And in this new round, one of the applicants was the daughter of one of the board members, Mary Beth Welch. Uh Now, according to state ethics laws, a board member has to recuse themselves from the hiring process. They can't have any conversations about this position. Um, They can't even casually talk about it in the grocery store. But Mary Beth Welch served for a time on the hiring committee related to this position. Mm -hmm. And according to the chair of the Board of Health, Dr. Ed Weiner, um, she seems to have made some phone calls and spoken to other board members Mm -hmm. about this situation. I should say, she's now stepped down from the hiring committee, and she did leave the room for a conversation about this that happened at um, the most recent Board of Health meeting. So it seems like she's sort of taking, you know, taking some action here. Mm -hmm. Um, But it does appear that that those those did occur at a certain point. Yes. I will say I reached out to Mary Beth Welch for comment, and she did not respond, um, but that offer stands. So, you know, mm-hmm. Mary Beth, if you're listening, <laughs> give me a call. Um, so, yeah, it's a little bit of a hairy situation. Yeah. We're not quite sure what's going to go on, and it seems like everyone's kind of um, taking the appropriate steps, working with legal counsel to, to make sure that they're on the right side of this. But, yeah. you know. The board was very concerned um, in protecting every party, every party involved, um, you know, down from our Department of Public Health to the board to both Mary Beth Welch and the applicant. And there was a lot of discussions like, okay, what happens if this person does get hired? And then what happens to Mary Beth Welch on the board? Like, there are certain things she can't discuss. Right. I mean, it seems like it would be a lot of certain things that she wouldn't be able to discuss. You know, she would have to recuse herself from anything related to, um, you know, budgeting, budget for budgets for departments that could impact the supervisory nurse's position, mm-hmm. any kind of collective bargaining issues that might arise, um, any sort of disciplinary issues, potentially, um, you know, raises and that kind of thing, disciplinary action, um, and it could potentially complicate things for Susan Luminello, who's the uh, yes. director of public health, because Susan reports to the Board of Health, and she would also be managing the supervisory nurse. And so mm-hmm. if you know, if this person was hired, she would essentially be managing her boss's daughter, and that could get really sticky yeah. you know, if there were any sort of performance issues at play. So you know, the legal counsel, Michael Murray, who works for the same firm as town counsel Lisa Mead, mm-hmm. um, he said that in other towns that have dealt with this issue, it's just kind of created such an administrative headache for the board that either it didn't make sense to hire the person and they didn't do it anyway, or if they did hire the person, 
the board member in question kind of had to step down because they couldn't be an effective member of the board. Yeah. So, you know, that's not where we're at right now. Mm -hmm. The It seems like as of the most recent meeting, this applicant, you know, their resume hasn't been really seriously considered. They just right. applied. No interview or anything yet. Right. Yeah. Um, and Dr. Weiner, the chair of the Board of Health, suggested passing a motion saying that the board doesn't consider job applications from immediate family members of um, board members, mm -hmm. but he didn't get a second on that vote. So the vote didn't yeah. even happen, essentially. The, mm -hmm. the board didn't even want to consider that, which I think is interesting. It was interesting. I mean, again, I think everybody's trying to protect everyone on both sides, but it's a lot of hoops to jump through no matter what happens. Especially in a small town. I mean, I think, yeah. like, people, there just aren't that many people around and i think everyone knows everyone in a way and it's yeah. it's not surprising that this would arise where mm -hmm. you know a person on the board of health might have a daughter who's a nurse right there's a family interest in in the healing arts yeah. um so it's it's really you know there um there's real conflict of interest concerns and even appearance concerns about the appearance of a conflict of interest mm -hmm. but i think you know in in smaller towns like burlington this is something that you're probably just going to see sometimes yeah i'm surprised it hasn't come up sooner with the town very fair yeah um all right so i think um with that said we can hop into our interview um i spoke uh with john eiler the chair of the ways and means committee about financing for not only fox hill but also some of the other capital projects that burlington is considering the high school project and the police mm -hmm. station are top of mind but at some point pine Glen might be on that list as well mm -hmm. um, so this is actually a clip from a longer interview that i did with him if you were if you're listening to this and you want to get a sense for that larger one you can check out um, an upcoming b news in-depth special an hour-long piece on our capital projects that's going to be coming out in the next couple of weeks so stay tuned for that mm -hmm. and on that note let's turn to john eiler John Eiler, let's talk brass tacks a little bit. Yeah. Um, some of these numbers are to be determined, right? We don't have a, a specific number for the new Fox Hill. And like you said, this was decided, you know, 12 hours ago, a little more as of this taping. Uh, so this is really new. But we have a sense for kind of what, what the order of magnitude is on some of this for the school. And then maybe we can zoom out and talk about how we're balancing these numbers when we add in the other projects. So I'm pulling these numbers from, um, I think, some information that you put together, this tiny URL, Burlington Debt, um, that, that, that I've, I've referred to quite a bit. Um, so for this smaller Fox Hill school that's been chosen as the main option that we're looking at, the district is going to be kicking in about $77 million, And the average annual tax increase for the average taxpayer would be about $253 a year. And we should say... Um, the average single-family residential tax is $6,196 a year. So for viewers at home, if you're paying more than that, your annual increase is liable to be more than that 253 And if your annual taxes are less than that $6,100, you're liable to be paying less. Is that about right? Yes. Yep. So give me a sense for the scale of that. When you're adding $253 to someone's tax bill, is that something that... Um, how, 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 like, that's going to hit different people differently, right? That's going to hit, you know, a, a family where there's two, you know, two adults earning $100,000 a year versus maybe a single senior person who's living on a fixed income. 
give me a scale of how big of a deal $253 a year is. Sure. Uh, and, you know, obviously, it, as you say, it's different for everyone. You know, I, I think a good way to think about these things is uh, in terms of percentage of your current taxes. So it, it all scales. Uh, so, for instance, the, the Fox Hill School that uh, option was selected last night, and, you know, there's some variation on whether it's two or three stories and the exact site mm -hmm. and so on. But roughly speaking, uh, as you say, it's about $250 uh, for the median taxpayer. That ends up being 3.9%, so a little, a little under 4% of your current tax bill uh, increase uh, to get a, a brand new school for uh, you know a quarter of town. Uh, so, uh, you know, personally, I think that's a good investment in education to uh, you know increase your taxes by four percent to get that new school. Makes a lot of sense. If we look at the police station, uh, that's more on the order of one hundred fifty dollars for the median taxpayer. That's about two point three percent. Again. Uh, you know, not having your police station in a building that was built in 1890. Uh, there's some value in that. <laughs> there's a right, buck, yeah. exactly. I mean, that literally is a building with leaking roofs, uh, and you know, so raising your taxes 2.3 percent for that is a good investment. And the high school is a little scarier, though. The, the high school is absolutely uh, oh, a very wide range. Uh, you know, on you know on the very high end of the spectrum, you know, four or five hundred million dollars to replace the whole thing uh, is, is certainly the kind of ballpark numbers people are talking about. Realistically, I don't think that's necessary. That, that's not a building that's falling down. Uh, there are things that could be improved, like the HVAC and, and some lab spaces and so on. Uh, but personally, I, I think uh, a renovation program over time uh, is going to be something that's much less expensive. Uh, it spreads out to spending over a number of years. Uh, you know, so you know, putting thirty million dollars just to pull a totally random number. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, doing that several times in a row uh, could easily improve that school to a point where everyone's happy with it again. Chris Flaherty, that was a lot of money stuff. A lot of money stuff. What are your thoughts on that? I, it's kind of like a perfect, not a perfect storm, an imperfect storm that all these capital projects just happen to be falling into the town at the same time. Like Fox Hill, the police station. We don't know what's going to happen with Pine Glen. They're talking about the high school. And then indirectly, not a huge project, but if we move forward with the police station, they have to move the sculpture park somewhere, and I don't know what that's going to cost us. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. All right, uh, Chris, thank you so much for doing this. Before we wrap up for this week, um, what are you what are you paying attention to for, for next week? Um, I definitely want to see what happens with both the Fox Hill School and with what's going on in the Board of Health, but uh, on a lighter side, I'm looking forward to the return of Trucktober next trucks, Saturday. Trucks, 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 trucks. The, uh, the annual food truck festival put on by Parks and Recreation. All right. It's my second favorite event to cover of the year. Um, are you like, do you have like food that you know you want to eat for sure, for sure? I never, they, they have the usuals. They have Augustus chicken. They have the whoopee wagon. Um, sometimes they have cousins, Maine lobster. Um, I always interested when the new trucks come. Like those are the staples, but then they get new ones every year. Interesting. So. I will eager, eagerly await your report on that. Um, Thank you. Personally, I'm going to be speaking with historian Robert Fahey about the 100th anniversary of Route 3A, a.k.a. Wow. Cambridge Street. 
super psyched about that. You would think that road is older, honestly. Really? I would have thought it would be, I would have guessed like 75. It's got a real youthful energy. Does it? <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, Chris Flaherty, thank you very much for being with me. And uh, on that note, we'll, we'll take it out.